Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. I'm the Bill Arnold part of that sentence. I'm awfully glad that we have this hour together. I've got a great hour planned. Um, I've got two uh, gentlemen in my studio right now. I can hardly wait for you to meet. I do want to start with a great verse, though. First uh, John 3.18. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And one of my guests, Mark Stockland, uh, lives in Haiti. He's been there 11 years. He's with Haiti Bible mission. So we know, we'll, we'll know firsthand what's going on in Haiti, especially with uh, some of the storms that have happened. And I also have Andy Carr, he's vice president uh, in development for Feed My Starving Children. They're partnering with uh, Mark in the Haiti mission. Gentlemen, welcome both of you to the program. Thanks, Bill. Great to be here. Thanks. Great to be here. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's find out a little bit about what's it like in Haiti right now. Mark, please tell us. Uh, right now, there's a little bit of unrest just with the gas shortages and think. things going on. It's been uh, been a lot of uh, challenging uh, weeks that we've been faced with, um, but God is still good, and uh, we've got a lot of our leaders on the ground doing what they can to uh, still minister and have our churches function and, and minister to the people in the community in, in times of a little bit unrest uh, right now in this season. Yeah, when, the, when was the last storm? When did it hit with such devastation, when was that? Uh, Hurricane Matthew hit October three years ago. Right. Um, so it's been. It's. You were there at the on, time. Yeah. And it just ripped everything off, every building practically. Yeah, it pretty much was like a nuke went off. Every yeah. every roof. I, I don't know of any roof in 160,000 people in the town of Jeremy that didn't uh, have windows or roof ripped off. Uh, every green tree. Every yeah. Every the pictures I have showed not one green thing from an aerial view was in that whole Grand Dance region, which now, was crazy. Yeah. Now you're there with your wife and kids. What What do you do day one? Day one was uh, invite over sixty some people and neighbors into our into what was left of our house mm-hmm. and try to start rebuilding our walls and security walls that got ripped down and uh, start trying to figure out how we're going to feed people and uh, yeah it was uh, we just had to rally the troops and uh, started getting neighbors and people together from the community and churches to uh, assess the damage and needs and get people out of the rubble and next thing you know we just start rebuilding and, and then we started doing food distribution and just tried to start chipping away at it. So it was, it was go time. So. Yeah. What was the fellowship like at that time? Uh, better than you can imagine. <laughs> I was about to say, usually it's tragedies that bring out the most amazing fellowship It, it really fellowship is the same ever. in America. You get a snowstorm up, up north, you get a hurricane down south, you get right. You get flooding yeah. out in Texas, which I've helped, uh, you know, Hurricane Harvey and stuff yeah. like that out there. And it's amazing to see how um, colors don't exist and race doesn't yeah. exist. It's just, it's people going, hey, you lost something, I lost something, let's work together to try to help serve and, and make a difference. And, uh, yeah, that was it, people come together and you build long-lasting friendships. Yeah, people are actually nice to each other, aren't they? Yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me what is, what, what is it like there now? Oh, man, in the last three years yeah. we've been able to— We've been able to watch new buildings get built. We've been able to see new organizations come in. We've seen new building codes come into effect uh, to, to make things better. Um, we've seen uh, God bring in uh, new vegetation. Uh, so really? To, oh, to have all the new trees and the, and the greenery, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's amazing. And 
Yeah, it's just, it, it really is. It, it doesn't, that stuff doesn't make the news, but God has done some amazing things with relationships, with uh, the development in our in our area, which is far out on the far western side uh, of the country. So uh, there's a lot of good things, growth happening uh, over the last three years that it's been really mar- remarkable to be a part of and to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me, Mark, how God called you to go to Haiti, because um, weren't you like a golf pro? Yeah, I, um, yeah, I was a I was number one in my school four years in a row. I grew up in Iowa, and uh, when I graduated, I moved to Florida to mm-hmm. pursue the PJ Tour. Spent a few years uh, trying to qualify and make the PJ Tour, playing the mini tours. I um, I had gone to Haiti on a one week mission trip, like many many young high school kids have done in the past. I fell in love with Haiti. Um, didn't really want to be in ministry, but for some reason, after a few years in Florida, getting married, having a newborn son, God just kind of I don't know, just spoke to me and changed my heart where I said, is this what I'm after? Is this really what I was creating called to do? And uh, at the time, I had helped build the the new Jack Nicklaus golf course down in Estero, Florida, old corkscrew, uh, and I had pretty much had my dream job, dream life, Sounds that way. say. Yeah. Uh, but then I just I just felt like God had created me for so much more. So I just talked to my pastor, talked to my wife, Lacey, and said, hey, uh, what if we just got rid of everything, sold everything, and moved to Haiti and, and empowered leaders uh, and made disciples? And uh, yeah, we did that in uh, 2008. So uh, walked away from everything and moved over there in 2008, 2009, and started Haiti Bible Mission. Fantastic. And your wife thought it was a great idea right away? Yeah, she actually did. I mean, she's, uh, God blessed me with an amazing wife. She, I, I don't think anybody that I could have been with that God could have blessed me with that would have walked away from the material things that we had and uh, the boat, the jet skis, the nice house, and to walk away from that salary and the job and the things, the network that I was a part of at that yeah. time. Uh, to go and and she's been my biggest supporter because over the last 11 years I think there's been a handful of many times I've wanted to walk away because fundraising and uh, asking for money or to build or just the hardships of living in a third world country right uh, provides a lot of challenges and to have Lacey my wife just be so supportive and encourage me that uh, what God's called me and our family to and to see the lives that were really changing making a difference is far greater than any salary or anything that I could have done and it's, it's ultimately brought me more fulfillment and joy seeing the kingdom of God advance for sure yeah and your little kids turning into evangelists oh big time <laughs> yeah especially <laughs> you, my two older do ones. you say more about that yeah, I've got an 11-year-old son, Barrick, a 9-year-old daughter, Amory, and a 3-year-old uh, daughter, Micaiah. Uh, my son, uh, who's 11, he says, I call him the Tim Tebow of soccer. He is an amazing, amazing soccer player. He wants to be like Tim Tebow and use his mm-hmm. uh, gifts of soccer uh, for the Lord. He invites uh, tons of neighbor kids over from Haiti uh, to our compound where we play soccer on the weekends, and he buys them all lunch and drinks and prays with them and shares the gospel. Really cool. My 9-year-old daughter, started a ministry in Haiti called Haiti's Heroes. She uh, has shirts and uh, sells a bunch of things to provide money. So she goes down every week to the local hospital, the pediatric ward, and she pays for every single kid's prescriptions um, that uh, that need help and to make sure those kids get what they need every single week. It gives them toys and gifts. And so she raises money through that. And so I just feel like God has just given me just an amazing uh, family that I've got 11 and 9-year-old who are really no making kidding. a huge impact. That's fantastic. So, yeah. So what kind of uh, n- needs are there in Haiti right now and how are they, how are you trying to meet them? I know uh, there's, there's spiritual needs, there's, there's, uh, uh, there's needs for food and all kinds of basic necessities, right? Yeah, there is. And there's, sometimes it feels overwhelming because there's too much to tackle. But the cool thing is we're just, and that's why I love partnering with Feed My Starving Children um, based out of Minneapolis here. Is that the, where Andy comes in? That is. Okay. Because we're trying to, we're trying to 
chip away at things and make a lasting impact. We don't just want to keep being an enabler. We're trying to look at what we do. Does it matter? Does it make a difference? And will it be sustainable? Can it be replicated? Uh, will they be able to make it on their own um, when we, if we had to walk away or we couldn't be there? And um, so, yeah, there, there's definitely a lot of needs. We, we focus on, Haiti Ball Mission focuses on empowering leaders to transform communities. So I travel around the states and I fundraise to try to help put uh, young men and women through school, high school, college, give them jobs, uh, help uh, give them the skills and trades that they become who they want to be. We just had someone graduate med school, someone from Bible college, uh, whatever it is, some are just about to graduate from, um, they want to be teachers. So whatever it is they want to do, we want to support that. But we do discipleship, Christian education, all those things. But what we want is them to then be the hands and feet of Jesus, to be the, the indigenous leaders that end up transforming the communities. So it's not us, the American people, it's them, Haitians helping their own people. And so we have a lot of building projects and strategic things we're doing in our seven zone strategy, we call it, where we're building outhouses in these zones in the communities. We're building public pavilions, uh, doing roof projects, child sponsorship, uh, doing the nutrition with Feed My Starving Children in these communities. And um, it's re- we're seeing a complete change in places that were once very dark and very unwelcoming to just uh, breaking down walls and barriers where God is just giving us complete uh, freedom to go into these places and minister not only with the gospel, but also to do a lot of humanitarian aid to help change their way of life. Mm-hmm. And some of that's even helping them start local businesses and uh, and take even the business they have and helping them figure out how to help improve that. Uh, so yeah, the needs are great, but we're, we're trying to just stay focused on the things that we know we can help change. And it starts with just helping change some of the, uh, equipping the leaders, the Haitian leaders to be the ones that are the ones that take ownership of that. Mm. It's, it sounds like... Y- there's so much to do, and God's giving you the strength and, and energy to do it. I mean, just what you just described is overwhelming to me. There's a lot of projects you got going. There is. I, I just feel like God's blessing with a great, great team of Haitian okay. people. Okay. I couldn't do this on my own. And, yeah, God's given me strength, but, um, yeah, apart from him, I can do nothing in John mm-hmm. 15. But the reality is that God's given me great partners like Feed My Serving Children, the the, the Manipak, the food that they've been distributing to, to, to Haiti Ball Mission for the last three years has broken down walls, like I said, barriers, allowed us to bring nutrition to uh, thousands and thousands of people where we've been to helping the prison, uh, the hospital. We've been uh, able to get in with some local gangs and, and, and allow them to bring that nutrition and help their people, which now provides an open door for relationship for the gospel. Yeah. Uh, it, it's really incredible to see how it's it's everybody kind of working together. It isn't just me. It's I'm, I'm kind of given the inspiration uh, behind uh, what God's given me. And the, these Haitian men and women uh, have a heart and desire to see things change. And they're the ones, they're the ones running with it. I'm just kind of coaching them. And it's, it's really incredible to watch them go after it. Yeah, Mark, I want to take a little break. But when I come back, I want to get Andy into the conversation. And I want to hear how Feed My Starving Children is making a difference in Haiti right now. Okay? Awesome. All right, we'll take a short break. Mark Stocklin and uh, Andy Carr are my guests in studio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. Awfully glad to have Mark Stocklin and Andy Carr in studio. Mark uh, Stocklin is CEO of Haiti Bible Mission. That's HaitiBibleMission.org. If you want to go look at his gorgeous family and some of the photos on his website. And then Andy Carr is with Feed My Starving Children. Let's get to that part. Uh, 
Feed My Starving Children serves about a million meals a day. Is that right? That is absolutely right. That's a right, staggering babe. statistic. Yeah. We feed a million people a day. That's uh, that's a lot of groceries. Um, you know, yes. Every single day. So, and that's a, it's incredible. Yeah. How is Feed My Starving Children helping Haiti Bible Mission? Yeah. And Mark? So, uh, so, so Mark and Haiti Bible Mission are, uh, when, when we talk at Feed My Starving Children about distribution partners uh, that we have in over 70 countries around the world, people come in and pack those meals with us, whether it's in Minneapolis, Chicago, Phoenix, Dallas, one of our mobile pack events. You know, you put that bag, uh, put the ingredients in the bag, you seal it up, you put it in a box, and, and at the end of the time you pray and, uh, and you say, God, use this meal uh, to uh, empower communities and bless the people that are in great need. And uh, Mark is one of those people that has an organization that puts this food to use, and, and that's the way we work. We, we trust those people and these partners to know what's best and what's needed. You know, in Uganda, it might be in a, in a refugee camp. Um, in, uh, right now in the Bahamas, it's in a crisis mm-hmm. where we've sent, uh, you know, a million meals over uh, there in, in through our partner network to know where those meals are needed. In the case of Haiti Bible Mission, uh, they're out at the very western tip of, uh, of, of Haiti, where uh, Hurricane Matthew tore through uh, October three years ago. And, and, and that community was the breadbasket of Haiti. It was not only for their community, which was, was probably one of the more, I would say, I use this word carefully, prosperous in the sense it's a third world country, but they, they had access to, to food. Um, but when Hurricane Matthew came through, it blew away not just the access to that food, but the livelihoods for many of those people that actually would provide food back into other parts of Haiti. So uh, as we worked in that uh, community and saw the need and responded, we were introduced to Mark and just saw his heart and the programs that were working there and the way the community responded to him. And so um, here over the last several years, as we've been able to provide meals, uh, we looked and said, okay, how can we really go deeper into this community? To uh, we, we never want this food to create dependency. Mm-hmm. We always are looking for this food to give a hand up, not just a hand out. Mm-hmm. And uh, we saw Mark doing an exceptional job in that community, and the need is just tremendous. So we put together a program. Um, we've done this in a couple other places around the world, uh, in the Philippines and in the Dominican Republic. It's called a Project-Based Food Assistance Program, where we go in and, and and where we work with partners currently to distribute meals, we take it a little further and we say we want to partner and look at a three-year program, not just a one-year program, a three-year program to identify a community and really go in and assess the needs and promise to that community for the next three years, this entire community is going to have food as uh, as taken care of. Wow. And so. Mark can walk into there. And, and, and we talked about this in some of the places we've traveled around the last couple of days, the lack of trust that happens in those places. These people have been burned so many times by, uh, by their governments, by their neighbors, by so many situations in life that uh, to have a, a trusted uh, organization like Haiti Bible Mission in there and making a promise now we've got to live up to that promise. Mm -hmm. And so we need people to come and pack those meals. We need people to help fund those meals. And uh, we've made the commitment to Mark that we are going to provide those meals. And so he can speak to what did that do to even have a community that they didn't even, it's called Tewoosh. It's on the outskirts of of Jeremy, Mm -hmm. Um, community of just over 800 people. 
they didn't even know the outside world knew they existed. And so the reaction to this kind of program coming to them was nothing short of miraculous, would you say, Mark? Absolutely. And Andy, I'll say this just to you, not just between you and me. This Mark seems like a really nice guy. I know. I, it's, 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 it's unusual. No, I just, yeah. obviously, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I know that, you know, when I go around with him, that this is radio, but I'm, I look a lot better on radio. I promise you he would look a lot better on TV. Yeah, I get that. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I was, I was made for TV. I just can't get on it. Right. That's, there you go. Yeah. So, um, so this has gotten to be quite a nice partnership yeah. and it, it, it allows uh, Mark to do his job a lot easier mm-hmm. and it's just win-win, isn't it? It really is. Like, uh, yeah, just like Andy was saying, uh, we've been ministering in the zone of Tewus. Uh, it's one of our communities we minister to for almost 11 years. So I've got these deep relationships with these people and we built a church up there. We have a Christian school up there with eight teachers, 150 students. Wow. Some of those kids walk two hours one way just to come to that school. Uh, so to provide uh, nutrition and food for, there's 831 people in that community, but uh, really we did the kickoff party three weeks ago for the PBFA project, and we, uh, first of all, seven people came to know Christ day one, which was incredible, because we're like, we're coming up here for three years, this is day one, seven people came to know Christ, so what a blessing. Mm-hmm. But to promise and commit to them that we are going to provide nutrition and meals and food for every single one of you, and over a thousand people came to the kickoff uh, party, people were coming from all over, uh, for the next three years. They were just floored. Some people didn't believe us, you know, some people, but majority were just like, man, this is exciting, man. We're, but here's the goal. This is what we're after is that what we're going to be doing is we have, um, we have tablets over there with surveys, and we're going to be monitoring every couple months the growth, not only of their health and nutrition, not only their spiritual walk, but also economically, how the, how the economy, how this community is going to develop and grow over the next three years. So the reality is we want to see if I'm providing you food and you don't need to go pay for this now, now you got a little freedom in your pocket, right? A little jingle in there. Well, what would that do if you put that together to use to start a business, put a new roof on your house, put your kid through college? How are you and your family in this community going to be better off in three years? How are you going to be self-sustaining so that when we slowly back out, we can attack FMSC, Female Servant Children and HBM, find another zoning community to, to partner with. But this community of Tewuj, they don't need us anymore. They've right. got it. Yeah. That's the goal behind it. So there's a lot of monitoring, a lot of pieces, a lot of moving things going on. But the reality is we have a, a Haitian committee that's formed from that community, and they are so excited about this, and they believe it. And they are getting a 1,000 people fired up to say, we want to do this, and we want to figure out how to come together and use the money we're saving, figure out how we can be self-sustaining. And it's exciting to be a part of it. I think God's going to do some great stuff. You know, one of the things, Mark, is... is could you paint a little word picture uh, for people to understand um, maybe is Tewoosh like an easy to get to place? <laughs> I mean, we, we talk about in Female Starving Children, one of our goals is to reach unreached peoples and, and go kind of where people are forgotten. Um, you know, th- there's a lot of places that maybe are more high profile that have needs, but Tell us a little bit about where where is Tewoosh? Yeah, from Jeremy, from our uh, from where we live in Jeremy, it's about a 30, 40 minute drive uh, out into the country. Then we have to walk down a steep, rocky bank that's probably 100 feet, go across a river uh, that a lot of times is over your head after a rain. So a lot of times you can't even cross the river. Then you have to go up at that other bank that's over 100 some feet and uh, pretty steep. And that's when you get to Tewoosh. So really, that takes about 40 minute drive and you got a 15 minute hike and it's literally a hike so all the food when we built the school all the material was taken up by hand and by donkey just to get to this village of Tewuj. uh it's pretty 
So it's, the, it's pretty remote. It's pretty hard to get to. The, these boxes of food are not being driven up to Taewoo. They're being carried They're by being school carried students, by moms and dads, by, by people. On their head, on their backs, across a river, up, up a, hill. a hill to get into that community to be able to reach these people. Mm-hmm. What about the donkeys? <laughs> they like the donkeys. Yeah, right? yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah sometimes yeah. when, we, buy a donkey, when we built right? the school, we, yeah, we had to rent. We rent donkeys, literally. <laughs> so we, we pay people that own them, and we rent them so they can help call, carry the concrete. That's amazing. It's, an, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Crazy. It really is. Yeah. And this is just not calories. This is nutrition. Yeah. And you're hopefully getting to the point where the sustainability is such that they no longer need Feed My Starving Children. And they're going to be just fine on their own. Absolutely. Well, they, I look at it in my own life. I can just take myself personally. What if somebody came and said, hey, Pastor Mark, I want to take care of half of your grocery bill. Let's just say it's eight hundred dollars a month, and somebody says, "Hey, I'm going to give you four hundred a month, so you don't have to wow. spend all that." What would I do over three years if somebody gave me four hundred dollars U.S. a month and said, "Put this in a savings account"? What are you going to do with that? I have three kids. What man? What would you do? What would I do? Maybe start a business. Maybe save for their college, right? Maybe I don't. You know, maybe build a house and rent it out. Like I, the, when you have that kind of income, you start to go, "Man, I can actually dream." Well, if a Haitian doesn't have any money, doesn't have any food, he's not able to dream. And so, some of the stories we're getting from these Haitians is. We didn't even have the the thought to even think about that because we didn't even think it was a reality. We didn't mm-hmm. even have hope that that could exist. And, and so now uh, just the stories up there are just like there's hope, there's joy, it's exciting. Uh, and I just had a friend come visit a couple of weeks ago from Canada, and he made a post when we were up there at the kickoff. He said, Jesus feeds a 1,000 people a meal a day. Like I thought it was just cool how Jesus feeds, because it really this is a mm-hmm. God thing. Yeah, Jesus absolutely. feeds a thousand people a meal a day for three years. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, I want to be a part of it. And I pray that other people want to jump on board and be a part of what God's doing. No kidding. And I saw that there's going to be a packing party, I think at Target Field. Is Target that going Field. To be happening? Yeah, we just came. Yeah, we absolutely. were just down there. It's being set up right now. Target mm-hmm. Field. We're going to pack a million meals the next two days down there, over 5,000 people. Go to fmsc.org. We've got some space available. F- We'd love to have FM- FMSC, Feed My Starving Children, fmsc.org. Yeah, click on the volunteer button. You'll see uh, how you can come down and join us at Target Field up in the, the uh, Delta Sky Club. And uh, That's really cool. Yeah, it's going to be a That's lot of really fun. That's really cool. And if I heard this today and I was so moved by uh, the work that uh, Mark is doing in Haiti, I could go to HaitiBibleMission.org, and mm-hmm. there's probably yep. an opportunity to participate in, in the work you're doing there. Absolutely. That the Lord has led you to and mm-hmm. called you to, and you're doing an amazing job. Thank you. I appreciate it's it. Pretty impressive. This whole mm-hmm. uh, partnership is really fun to see. Uh, God is good, and he is, uh, he's feeding his kids hungry in body and spirit, mm-hmm. and uh, we're just blessed to be a part of it. Yeah, it's, and it's nice that, that you guys are um, having an opportunity to do something so uh, tangible here in the Twin Cities the packing party tomorrow night at Target Field. Yeah. It's tomorrow night, right? Well, we're tomorrow during tomorrow all, day, all day tomorrow, all day Thursday. And, of course, you can always come out to Egan, Chanhassen, yeah. or Coon Rapids and pack, you know, six mm-hmm. days a week. We get people coming out, five-year-old to grandma and grandpa and anybody in between. Uh, we'd love to have you come and help because I can assure you these meals are getting put to uh, mm-hmm. good use. Places like uh, what Mark is doing uh, is is happening all over the world. We just happen to have a great guy here with us in yeah. town right now. So feedmystarvingchildren.org, that would be uh, fmsc.org. Or you can also look at Mark uh, Stockland's website, which is haitibiblemission.org. Again, haitibiblemission.org. Gentlemen, thanks. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks for having fun. us. All right, we'll take a little break. and we come back, Pastor Sean Winters will be with us.
on Faith Radio. I'm awfully glad to be inviting back into the studio Pastor Sean Winters. He's a senior pastor at Calvary Church in Roseville and White Bear Lake, two campuses. And it's always a delight to have uh, Sean in studio talking, teaching, and just being my friend. Sean, welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, we're going to chew on a big topic today, aren't we? Yeah, we're going to well, try introduce and tackle it. this. Yeah, okay. I'm going to make this all, all your fault. Go ahead. Um, yeah, we're going to tackle that issue of predestination and free will. So, <laughs> right. Just uh, a simple one that uh, we'll quickly resolve here in 29 and a half minutes. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this has been debated throughout all of church history from yeah. the beginning of time. And I, I know that, you know, thoughtful Christians dig into God's Word and they do their own research and study and leading from the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. And yet the camp is divided, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that, I mean, I love that. I love that people want to know what the Word of God says, and they're doing their work. And so what I really want to encourage our listeners to do is say, okay, as we look at Scripture, let's look at it, let's deal with what the text says, and then let's say, what does that mean? You know, how does that apply to us? How does that apply to who God is? And where are we in that that whole picture? Okay, let's get out shovels and start digging. All right. Um, t- to start into the topic, I want to kind of touch on two things. One is where do we experience um, future? How do we look at the world around us? And then how does God see it scripturally? And when you think about you and I, our knowledge of the future, that we have a limited, we don't know what's going to take place. So if you imagine we're sitting in a ball game, you and I are sitting there, bottom of the ninth, two outs, home game, so our team's up. Yep. Um, it's a 3-2 count, and and we're down by, or it's a, let's say a tie score, okay? So okay. our guy's there. And and I'm like, I don't know what can happen. You know, he can hit into, uh, you know, line drive. He can he can hit out. He can strike out. But you say, no, he's going to hit a home run. Sean, I say home run. You say home run. I it's going to be home run. Say, he's going to win the game. <laughs> he's going to win the game right now. <laughs> I said, I don't I'm know what's going to happen. So, so the next pitch comes, and he hits it. He goes, home run. He goes deep. Thank it's you. A home I was run. right. So the whole place is cheering. The whole place is going crazy. And Bill's over there yelling, I called it. I called it. Yeah. And uh, I'm high-fiving you. And you're more interested in the fact that you called it. Oh, yeah. Rather than the fact we just won the game. Yeah. Um, And and I look at you because I think, okay, theologically, what's he saying here? And and I say, what what did you call? You say, I knew he could do it or I knew he would do it. Big difference. Oh, yeah. Like, if he could, yeah, absolutely. That that player has hit home runs before. Yes. This pitcher is tired. I, that was a lousy pitch. Yeah. He could, but if you say that you knew he would, then then we'd have to debate it. Then there would be a different story. That's right, because I'm cheering don't him know. on knowing yeah. he could. He could. Yes. So we look look at life, and we say, hey, this could happen, right? We watch the weather forecast, <laughs> and they say, hey, this is what is going to happen tomorrow, but we know it could happen tomorrow. Minnesota. There, all the signs point towards it. The potential is there, and we're constantly surprised. Yes. At the same time, the Bible tells us that God knows. God has this understanding. So my wife and I have this uh, sign in our house about marriage, and it says marriage is the ultimate act of faith. We take the hand of another person, and we walk into an unknown future with courage and, um, and determination which is a really cool thought, and we add to it, we edit that. We say, you know, it's, it's not just you and I, Becky. It is you and I and God, and God knows and we don't. Mm-hmm. But it is. It's an ultimate act of, of faith to walk into an unknown future. So then I ask that question, okay, if I say, hey, I don't know, but God does, 
is that true and is that biblical or is it is it just helpful because because i want it to be true um you know we can deceive ourselves we can say you know it'd be great if god knew or is it really true and so i want to just read a couple things from the old testament that we often go to and then let's investigate it and then we're going to look at ephesians chapter one so first of all a familiar one maybe uh, psalm 139 it says this it says your eyes saw my unformed body all the days ordained for me were written into your book before one of them came to be how precious are your thoughts god the, how vast is the sum of them so it's this great statement by david poetically he's talking about a child who is not yet born he says hey god can see that god sees us in that place but also he's ordained every day for us before a single one of them came to be where does david get that idea where does that thought come from um, it's something that david's talked about before well i look back i say you know one of the mentors in david's life was samuel samuel in first samuel 2 3 um, is talking through a personal confrontation and he says this he said don't keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance for the lord is a god who knows and by him deeds are weighed just this great statement i, I just love that God is a God who knows. So scripture is telling us that God somehow sees our days. God is a God who knows. Jeremiah says, I know the plans I have for you. And we often repeat John, uh, Jeremiah 29. And, and so we get this idea that God knows. We don't, but God does. And then we get to this passage um, in, in Ephesians chapter 1. And, and as we were talking just earlier, we want to look at the text, say, what does the text say? What's he about there, and then how does it apply to our life? So it's a, it's one of those predestination passages, right? Mm-hmm. Um, those one of those that we go to and we say, well, this is what God said. Let me just read it, and then maybe you and I can wrestle over it. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 11, it says this, In him we were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who were first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked with him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So it says, in him we are chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything, in accordance to the conformity and the purpose of his will. But just this strong sovereignty of God. God is sovereign. And Paul paints this picture that predestined, there's some choice in the past. But wow, what is our experience? Yeah, you know, we hear that, we read that, um, that God chose us, God predestined us in some way. You know, John Stott, it's clear what God is what, what Paul's trying to say here. He's like this strong sense that. God is the decider, and he's not surprised by. Um, but there's a sense that we go through experience. like right? It's kind of a cognitive dissonance because we go through life and we say, man, I, you, you know, you chose whether to invite me to come on the radio today, and, and we'll see if you choose that again. <laughs> um, I chose the route that I took, you know, which road I took to get over here today. Um, and so we experience life as choices, but then we read in Scripture and we understand that God knows. So how do we how do we put those two things together? It is a challenge, I think, for us as we approach a text like this. 
Okay, a, a Reverend John Stott quote, which I love, holiness is not a condition into which we drift. Hmm. Isn't that nice? Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad that I'm, my Bible study is in Titus, because Titus chapter 1 says, Paul, the servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ to further the faith of God's elect yeah. and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness in the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. Yeah. Yikes. Now, if our names are written in the book of life before the foundations of the world were laid, that would say to me that God has uh, an elect group. Yeah. Well, verse, verse 5 in Ephesians uh, 1, five says, He predestined us for adoption to sonship in accordance with his pleasure and will. Um, you know, and then verse 4, it says, He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. Mm-hmm. So, so there's all kinds of passages that talk about a sovereign God who has made choices on our behalf uh, for our good and his glory. And we hold that in high esteem. That's what Scripture says. So if God gets to choose who he has in his home, which yeah. is heaven, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and, of course, raises the question that a lot of people say, are you saying then that God created people only to send them to hell? And, of course, that gets to be difficult waters to yeah. navigate through. Well, I remember, I probably won't get this quote exactly right, but C.S. Lewis wrote one time about this, and he said that, um, that God will say to every person on earth what you will or what you want mm-hmm. so that someone who comes to faith in Christ says, Lord, I want to come to faith in Christ, and he gives us what we want, and someone who hears the offerings of the gospel and continues to reject and continues to reject, and God continues to reach out and continues to, and someone says, no, thank you, and then he also rep- responds to that person, you know, what you will. You get what you, what you want. And so, yeah, I think that we see in reality that there are people who reject God. Um, and, and God created all of us, and God forced, uh, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his son that all might come to faith, but that God made choices, and choices depending upon his foreknowledge. He understands how people respond to him. Mm-hmm. But but what we experience in life is that you know we are also called to make decisions. I mean, this passage, verse eleven, says that we're predestined. Verse thirteen says you all heard the gospel and you responded in in belief. And one of the things I think we hold highly is God's sovereignty, God's choice, God's election. But that we all on our behalf, then we respond, and that we are responsible for the choices we make in terms of how we live for God. Um, I heard an illustration um, a, a number of years ago, and, and uh, it's kind of fun. I, I like doing premarital counseling, and I like uh, talking with couples about how'd you meet, how'd you fall in love. Um, and, and then I like to ask them, how did you know? How did you know that this was the person for you? And uh, I'm going to just kind of mush together a couple stories so there's no actual you know, stories that I'm revealing here without permission. But let's just imagine that some guy walks into a church in small town Wisconsin, and he looks across the room, and somehow music is playing, and the lights are low, and, you know, there's a spotlight on this girl across the room. He's like, wow. And in his mind, or maybe to his buddy, he says, I'm going to marry that girl. Yeah, that's... that's they haven't even met yet, right? Yeah, they haven't met yet. Okay. Just, just walked in the first time. <laughs> and so three years later, they're sitting down with a pastor, and he says, how did you know... And he says, well, the first time I walked in church, I saw her across the room and I knew. 
Well, you turn to the woman and you say, okay, um, you're also here and you also come to the point where you've said, hey, this is, I'm going to marry this guy. When did you know? And her answer is more like, um, you know, he came to our church and we hung around with the same group for a while. And then we went on a couple activities together, a couple dates. He prayed about it. I prayed about it. We talked to friends. And about six months ago, I decided. And so you ask him, who decided? He's like, you know, three years ago, she's like six months ago. <laughs> I mean, I had to ask you out on a date, man. Um, he's like, well, yeah, okay. So you initiated. So that there's this understanding, this reality that God chose us before the creation of the world. And at some point, he breathed life into us. And we respond and we say, wow, you know, this is the day I accepted Christ. But scripture tells us God chose us, chose us to be holy and blameless. Um, that intentional purpose is for our own redemption, but that we might share that gospel with mm-hmm. others. So it's, it's, a, it's a challenging walk, and it's, it's a wonderful blessing to know that God knows. And we need, to, you know, we need to understand that and grab hold of that. And then we also say, but we need to live lives fully devoted to Jesus Christ. I'm with you, Sean. I think it's um, I think it's great. The first Bible verse I ever memorized was First John one nine. If we confess our sins to God, He is faithful. He is faithful and just mm. to forgive us our sins. If we, He is. Yeah. Those are the two parts of that verse that I've always sort of thought. If we, He is. So there is a little bit of um, work that we need to do, and I say that with hesitation because it's only God's grace. We are, by which we are saved, but we do come to the realization that we are sinners in need of a Savior. Yeah, and, and Titus says that it, you know, His grace has appeared to us and it teaches us. Yes. Um, it teaches us and it trains us to make wise choices, to make uh, good decisions, to do the if we. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you right. know? All right, Sean, let me take a little break. Sean Winters is my uh, guest, senior pastor at Calvary Church in Roseville and White Bear Lake, Minnesota. We'll take a short break and uh, be right back. Welcome back to the show. Uh, Pastor Sean Winter is in studio with me. And Sean, I think we've done a nice job of setting the table. Where are we at and how do we move forward in this discussion? As yeah. We, as you we know, talk I, about predestination and freedom of choice. Freedom of choice. Um, you know, I remember years ago, my brother and I used to take these hikes in the Colorado Rockies and we'd be backpacking and running out of breath. And he would say, you know, Sean, you're predestination, I'm free will. And, you know, <laughs> other times he'd say, you're free will, I'm predestination. We just kind of wrangle over it. But I, but I think that we... we um, want to say, hey, we've set the good stage for the sovereignty of God, yep. that God chose us before the creation of the world to be holy, to be his people. Um, and, and and then let's move to this, building on that foundation, what, are, what does it mean to live for God? What does it mean to make wise choices in response to the grace we've experienced in Christ? Awesome. Let's do that. All right. All right. So I think it's in the same passage. I, I like um, so if someone's out there and they're digging in Ephesians, we're not going to move to a different passage to solve this part of the conversation. Because in verse 13, um, Paul, who is a Jewish writer writing to a Gentile church in Ephesus, says, hey, this is what, what God is. This is what Christ has done for you. Verse 13, it says, you're included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth, 
the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked with him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who's a deposit guaranteeing. And then he uses two really key words. He says it's guaranteeing our inheritance until redemption of those who are God's possession. Inheritance and possession are Old Testament words that Paul intentionally uses that were up to that point only used for the Jewish ethnic group. These are the people of God, the possession, the portion of God. And now he's saying, because you responded, because you believed, you're now included in. So part of God's sovereign plan is the diversity of the body of Christ. And it's saying that we need we have choices there of, of followership. We have choices there of, of living holy lives for God. The prayer beginning in verse 15, he said, I'm praying for you that you're doing a great job. But you need to keep on going. Um, and then there's this key piece of this that I think applies to us today that he's talking about inclusivity. He's talking about diversity, hot button issues of our day that as believers in Jesus Christ, that was God's plan. And that's God's intentionality that we are saved so that all people, all nations, all ethnos would come to know Jesus Christ. So there's choices that we make and, uh, and the decisions that we make that are really just come right out of this, the graciousness of God's sovereign plan. Does that make sense? It makes sense. And I'm looking at verse 13, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Just That's a powerful line. Yeah. When you heard, not if you heard, but when you heard. When you heard. You responded because you are part of God's elect. Yeah. Is, is, am I interpreting that correctly? Yeah. So there is this clear sense of choice that sets up that line. Mm-hmm. But he's saying um, there's a point in time where um, Paul pastored this church. So he was there, planted the church on his second missionary journey. He actually stayed on his third missionary journey for three years. So he's in these people's living room, right? He was he was in their, in their lives, and he presented the gospel. They heard it. They responded. You know, he founded them in the truth of the gospel. Your response to that gospel has included you in. Mm-hmm. So, so he's applauding them, saying, hey, you're doing a great job. You know, verse 15, I love what, what I see. Faith in Jesus Christ, your, your relationship with others. I'm going to keep on praying for you. I'm mm-hmm. thank, thanking God for what I've seen in your life already. But, man, keep, keep on going in that gospel message that you've received. And, of course, God wants it that no one would be lost, that yeah. all would come to faith. Yeah. So how do we blend those messages? Yeah. C- can I do a quick story? Oh, please. Yeah, well, okay. I love stories. Okay. So we had uh, we, we love to take family trips, and we um, we hop in the car. We've done that since our kids were little, and we just kind of head out. So we went to the East Coast this summer, um, went up into Maine. We drove across into Canada to the Bay of Fundy, which is between Nova Scotia and New Brunswick. And the reason that we had a destination of the Bay of Fundy is because the tides in the Bay of Fundy are some of the greatest in the world. The day we were there, high tide to low tide, difference was 32 feet. Oh. So we were there at high tide, and you could see these cool sea caves, kind of like on the north shore of, of <laughs> Minnesota. And, yeah. you know, you could kayak. There were some canoers that went out there. Came back five hours later, and the, the water was out like a half mile. And the sea caves were accessible by foot. Wow. So we went back in these caves. We walked up in this little um, th- this little canyon. It's like a box canyon kind of out in the ocean during high tide, but it's accessible by foot. 
and we're back in the end of this, and we're just nervous Midwesterners. We're like, when's that, you know, when's the high tide going to come in? Is it going to come in in two minutes or we're stuck? So we kind of kept looking over our shoulders. Get back up in the front end of this box canyon, and there's a rope up one of the sides. And I thought, you know, at some point, somebody got stuck. <laughs> they fell asleep yeah. on the beach, and the, and, the, and the water came in. And, and I'm looking around at the people that are back up in this, and I'm thinking, there's not, every, not everybody can climb that rope. Right. If the water comes in, we're going to elect someone to climb the rope. We're going to choose someone to climb the rope. And the purpose for them climbing the rope is not so that they have a, a full and fruitful life for themselves and the rest of us drown. The point of having someone elected to climb the rope is to go get help so the rest of us will be saved. Mm-hmm. So this author wrote this. He said this. Um, God's choice isn't just for that individual benefit and salvation. The purpose is that we become agents of blessings to other. I just love that. The purpose of God's election, the, the sovereignty of God, isn't just so that we can be happy and whole. It's that we might come back and, and offer that same blessing, that salvation message to other people. That but, trip sounds like fun to you to me. <laughs> but here's, here's the challenge. And, um, you know, um, family systems can can kind of be closed. Church systems can kind of be closed. We as, as church folks, we can gather around and say, wow, I believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe in his sovereign choice and he's elect those who he elects. And, you know, there's some he doesn't elect. And, well, that was a good Bible study. Amen. Let's go home. And we, we can keep that system closed. But God says, no, let's keep that system open. This is a great truth. It's a great gospel. But let's be open. Let's reach out to others. Let's uh, take the blessing we've received and be a blessing in our communities. Let's be a blessing in our workplaces that we are called not just to receive, but called to be a pass-through of that blessing. And that's a choice. Mm-hmm. That's a choice we all have to make. And, and God's never surprised by so- somebody choosing to become a believer. God doesn't ever look down on somebody and say, whoa, 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 I never saw, I never saw that coming. Yeah. I mean, he knows who's going to be responding positively. Absolutely. And because yep. they're part of his elect. Yeah. So I don't know where I was but, going with that but, point, But he Sean. also is not surprised by um, the things that happen in your life or my life. Right. And that is, um, that's reassuring to us. Like, hey, I didn't, you know, this thing surprised me, but it didn't surprise God. Right. That's true. We, we've used this line a couple times in, uh, in recent days that, you know, every day, um, you know, God knew every day before one of them came to be. Uh, David wrote in Psalm 139, um, you, you lose someone who's close to you and you go, well, you know, that their time was sovereignly chosen by God. He wasn't surprised by that. He wasn't surprised by the grief we're experiencing. Um, he's not surprised by the, the challenge that it's left in our life. And so there's this, there's a sense that God is sovereign that gives us reassurance, that God knows gives us reassurance, but it also draws us closer to God because we say, hey, if he's not surprised by it, then he's got a resolution, right? God works for the good of those who've been called according to his purpose. And, and it causes us to kind of lean into God in, in deeper and more profound ways. It's a very comforting passage in Psalm 139. I, I, I love that truth because, you know, people will say, so-and-so, he died way too young. And I go, yeah, of course he died way too young for us, but yeah. not for God. Because that point, that time was appointed prior to him heaving him or her even having their first breath. Yeah. As difficult as that is for some to embrace. Yeah, it is. And, and, and we grieve 
um, not like the world because we have hope, but we do grieve, right? Like like that is, oh, yeah. A, yeah, someone dies young, and we're just like, I don't get it, and I miss them, or Lord, I'm leaning into you and trusting you for it, but but God knew. Yep. And then, Sean, of course, we know John 1, 12, um, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, amen. Amen to that. Yeah. I think that's about wraps up our time. Um, this is uh, always great to chew on, and it's, uh, it's, it's great. It's the deep end of the pool for many to try to go into God's Word and figure out exactly what it says, and yeah. you've done a great job helping us uh, move the needle once Thank again. Thank you. Thanks, Sean. Awesome Sean, Pastor, uh, Sean Winter has been uh, my guest. That wraps up our show for the day. Thank you so much for uh, listening. Thanks for spending time with me this afternoon. I hope your drive home is uh, good, and I hope you have a nice night tonight. Thank you for uh, supporting Faith Radio and and, uh, just being so wonderful. God bless everyone. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.